0: Morning all. Wow. It's a little bit busy up here. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough space. All right. So, first reading there are two. First reading is from Genesis chapter 11, 1 to 9. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Good. <laughs> trying to find all my pieces of paper at once. Um, if it's this, oh, like I said, too much going on. If it's this Bible, it's page 7, which is nice. Nice and easy. I don't know when the other one, sorry. Too much. All right, how are we going? I'm I'm clear, so I'm hopeful you all are now too. All right. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come. Let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. All right, and our second reading, if we flip to the New Testament, is Philippians 2 1 to 11 which again, in this Bible, with Holy Bible on the front, is page 830. It'll be similar-ish in the other Bible, but not quite. Something's going on. There. Oh, did I spill? Oh, oh I knocked things over. <laughs> so I thought I... am oh, sorry. <laughs> Hopefully I didn't blow anything up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Apologies in advance. All right. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, it's really hard not to sing this, <laughs> and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, why don't we just sing the last bit, <laughs> no, 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 um, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.
1: Uh, my name's Scott, I'm uh, one of the ministers and I'll be uh, uh, taking us through this passage from God's Word today. And so let's uh, firstly just bow in prayer, shall we? Please join with me. Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for your great kindness in giving us your Word. And we do pray, Lord God, that um, as we consider this passage this morning, that you would indeed be changing our minds and changing our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, don't you just love digital technology? Isn't it great? Uh, it gives us such amazing power, the uh, the power to do things which uh, not so long ago we could only dream about doing. Like, uh, for example, the, uh, the humble mobile telephone. You've only got to reach into your pocket and uh, touch the screen a couple of times and uh, before you know it, uh, you can be having, you can be seeing and talking to someone you love, who's on the other side of the planet. How about that? Isn't that great? And uh, what about car navigation systems? Anyone here still remember the the good old days of the Gregory Street Directory and the UBD and uh, fumbling? Ar- no more fumbling around with uh, books of maps whilst you're trying to drive through an unfamiliar part of the of the uh, the city. Uh, your car navigation system, the satellite up there in the sky, it knows exactly where you are and tells you exactly what moves to, uh, where you need to turn to get to the destination that uh, you need to get to most of the time. It sure has stopped a lot of uh, frustrations and, uh, and arguments in our car. We've been <laughs> travelling, I can tell you that much. Car navigation, how good is Google? How good is Google? Uh, uh, information on just about any topic that you could possibly want to know about, it's only it's at your fingertips. Isn't that great? Digital technology, it um, makes so many things in life so much easier and it solves so many problems. Um, which, when you think about it, though, that's thats the very nature of technology, isn't it? That's like all technologies, not, not just technologies in this part of the 21st century, but technologies as you reach all the way back into history uh, mankind uh, has always been developing technologies that have made life easier and have uh, and have solved problems can you imagine what life was like before the invention of the the humble wheel <laughs> can you imagine that and of course it shouldn't surprise us that uh, we humans have the ability to uh, to invent and to create and to build because I think as we've seen in Genesis, that that's the way that God has made us. He has has made us, he's created us, uh, so that we, of all of his creation, that we would be his representatives, that we would rule this world, but under him, under his lordship and under his authority. But you know what happens? When we ignore God, when we push God off to the periphery of life, we can look at the challenges and we can look at the opportunities which uh, face us in life and we can think that it's, it's all up to us. It's all up to us to solve these issues. It's all up to us to take up these opportunities and that if only we could combine our technological abilities with cooperation with one another, then there's no telling what, as a race, we could do. We could truly be in control of our lives, of our world, of our destiny. Well, that's the dream, isn't it? And yet, as we know, that dream can also be our worst nightmare. Because what we find as we travel through life is that we actually can't trust one another. Uh, We can't trust each other with the technologies that we develop. We do not go and share our military technologies with other nations, do we? Some nations we just do not trust our technology with. There are some neighbours who we can't trust with internet technology. And so what does the Bible say about these things? You know, sometimes we can underestimate the technological sophistication of the ancient setting of Genesis um, but, uh, you know, for example, just to illustrate that, uh, archaeological digs from the time of Abraham uh, reveal um, sophisticated houses, double-storey houses with, uh, uh, with well-equipped kitchens and plumbing and sanitation. Who, who would have thought? And according to Wikipedia... <coughs> ..the source of all true knowledge... <laughs> ..according to Wikipedia... Uh, the um, mathematical topics were being taught at the time of, of of Abraham, even even cubed roots, apparently. And so these were no simpletons. They were not simpletons. And, and it means that the account in Genesis chapter 11 of the construction of a tall building, well, it kind of makes sense uh, when we think about these things. Now, if you open up your Bibles at Genesis 11, uh, one thing you're going to notice uh, there is... That we did not read, uh, or rather, Alison did not read from Genesis chapter ten, and uh, uh, which is actually the 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 family tree, like the 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 names of 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 Noah's descendants. Uh, You remember we looked at the flood last week and how the flood came and the world was going, humanity was wiped out. Humanity was going to be reestablished through Noah and through his family, and here we see a list like the genealogy of uh, Noah's uh, family. And Dallison was probably pleased. We didn't ask her to read that. Names like Arfaxad. <laughs> That's a beauty, isn't it? It's full of tongue twisters. But if you scan your eyes through it, though, what you'll see is that there are, in fact, some familiar names. Some familiar names amongst a, uh, Noah's descendants. Uh, for example, the names of some of his grandsons one of whom was named Canaan, Canaan, and who in, in verse 6 was the father of the Hittites, the, the, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and various other ites which we read in the earlier part of the Old Testament, uh, they settled in the land which was called, you guessed it, Canaan. That's where it comes from. Another grandson, another grandson was named Egypt. How about that? That's where the name comes from. And another one was named Nimrod, who apparently was eventually responsible for settlements in Babylon and Assyria. You see, chapter 10 is very important, and maybe we should have read it. It's very important because it tells us that after the great flood of Noah, that humanity was reestablished, was reestablished. But was God pleased? Well, let's check out chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in China and they settled there. How about that? Only one language and they all settled in one place. Uh, the, The plain in the place called China, which eventually became known as Babel. Uh, Babel, which today is called Babylon, um, the, the, and Babylon being Babel with just a Greek ending at the end of it, and uh, you, you could go there today if you really wanted to, it's, uh, the ruins of uh, Babylon are about 80 kilometres just south of Baghdad. But was God pleased? Well, check what happens next. Let me read verses 3 and 4. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Now, what you notice there is that the author actually adds a a little comment of his own. Uh, by saying, and I quote, they used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. This is not just a, technol- a technology comment that's been made here. This is actually, well, there's a bit of sarcasm in it. <laughs> it's sarcasm. That uh, these people, they, these men, they actually thought that they were great. Uh, and, and, and yet, uh, what they were using... Uh, were actually inferior materials. Inferior materials. They didn't use stone, they used uh, bricks. They didn't use mortar, they used tar. Inferior materials. and So uh, what is underlying this is that the author is telling us that this project was doomed, (laughs) but not just for that reason, but rather because... It was, in effect, an act of defiance against God. Do do you remember one of the commands that uh, God gave to Adam and Eve? Uh, What what did he tell them that that their role was, that they were supposed to do? They were supposed to be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth and subdue it. God's plan for humanity was to spread out and to, to populate the earth, but their plan was to stick together and to pool their technological know-how and build a city with a, well, with a great tower. Do you like towers? Yeah. Mm. Any archi- uh, architecture students here? Yeah. Oh, okay. You, you correct me afterwards on this, uh, and then, please. But uh, I, these days, the, the, the tallest uh, building in the world was uh, actually in a very similar part of the world to, to what we see here in Genesis chapter 11... Uh, it's in the United Arab Emirates, the uh, the Burj Khalifa, I think it's called. Uh, it it soars over eight hundred meters up into the, into the heavens. Is that extraordinary? Uh, nearly a kilometre, eight hundred and thirty meters, 829.8 meters, I think, uh, into the sky. And that, of course, is just part of the the ongoing competition amongst nations to be able to boast about being home to the world's tallest building. Nations do that. Why do they do that? Well, to be honest, I, personally, I'm more impressed by nations that invest in good healthcare systems and good education systems and who take care of their poor. But nations build tall towers. Why? to make a name for themselves by impressing other nations. But who are these people in Genesis 11 trying to impress? There actually weren't any other nations. <laughs> there were no other people. Perhaps it was God who needed to know just how great they were. Now, in the Bible, um, who is it who makes a name for people. Who made a name for Adam? Who made a name for Abraham? Who made a name for David? It's God, isn't it? It's God who makes names for people, but here, what is their message to God? We will make a name for ourselves, thank you very much, and also we will not spread out and fill the earth. Just like Adam and Eve, uh, they want to rule their lives And rule the the world their way, not God's way. This this really is the essence of sin. They've got the technology, tick. Uh, They've got the the plan, tick. Uh, Development application, no need for that. Uh, And so construction is underway. Now, um, as I understand it, the big breakthrough uh, which resulted in the, the tall buildings which um, fill our cities these days uh, was the technology which was, de- t- was developed to mass produce steel uh, which was used in developing railways, uh, railways to open up America. Once they worked out how to mass produce steel like that then they could apply that technology to buildings. Because it's only so high you can build a building out of bricks and out of stone. Steel made the difference. And by the 1930s in New York, uh, wealthy people, these uh, mega-rich, you know, multi-millionaires of the day, they were just competing to, uh, to build the tallest building in the world to make a name for themselves. And I remember uh, looking down from the top uh, deck of the Empire State Building and seeing, on, seeing down below these, these really, really tiny dots that seem to be kind of moving, you don't you know, look hard, you see these little, they're, they're cars. <laughs> they're cars. Well, friends, to God, our planet is much, much smaller than one of those tiny dots. Who are we kidding? I mean, He is the one who created the galaxies. In verse 4, they wanted to build a tower which reached to the heavens. Check out uh, what it goes on to say in verse 5. But the Lord came down to see this city and the tower that men were building. Touch of sarcasm there, perhaps. As if God is saying, he's up there in heaven and he's looking down and he's saying, what is that insignificant speck that I see down there? I better get down there to have a closer look at it. How absurd to think that anything that we could build could take God's breath away. (laughs) However, as pathetic as the tower is, what motivated it was actually dangerous. For if through technology and cooperation they've been able to build this tower in their name, then imagine what as sinners, what else they could do and really hurt themselves. What they wanted was to stick together and make a name for themselves. What they got was the exact opposite. Because in verse 7, God decided to mix things up. Um, Now we're not told how Uh, God uh, confused their languages, gave them other languages so that they couldn't communicate. We're not told how he spread them out and disrupted their connection with one another, both physically and uh, in terms of talking with one another. But what we need to know is that scattered both geographically and linguistically, they were unable to work together And build a name for themselves. And it's that um, confusion of languages that actually gave the the place uh, its name. Check out verse 8. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. Um, you see, the word Babel in Hebrew uh, means confusion. <laughs> that's what it means. And, and that's a little bit, lo- a bit the same in English, isn't it? Because, you know, when someone babbles on, when they babble on, they babble on, uh, what are they doing? They're talking nonsense. <laughs> they don't make any sense. They're just babbling on and on and on. Uh, and yet, in the Babylonian language, the word Babel means The gate of God. The gate of God. And that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem. I mean, after all, uh, it's actually quite helpful to be able to speak with people in the same language. (laughs) Have you noticed that? Uh, As English speakers, uh, we are in the privileged position of... um, uh, being that, uh, that, that people whose mother tongue around the world today is not is something other than English, they tend to also learn English as a second language, don't they? So that we can, we can communicate. Uh, we don't actually need to learn other languages necessarily, uh, not for general communication. And working together to do God's will um, is actually a very, very good thing. It's how we've been created. But as sinners, collective wrongdoing is what this is actually about. Um, The the Tower of Babel tells us something about ourselves, that that far from uh, thanking God for the abilities that he's given us, we ignore him. And we use those abilities to position ourselves at the centre now, um, I'm not much of a philosopher, but uh, I understand that some philosophers have, uh, have done, uh, you know, non-Christian philosophers have done a bit of thinking about these things. Uh, they say that we actually don't need God anymore. That uh, we used to need God, or think that we needed God to, um, to, to give to, to to help us to give us an answer for the things which we just don't understand. Uh, the God of the gaps, um, as they they call him. We used to need God to explain things which we don't understand, but now, with uh, knowledge, with science, with technology, with communication, as humans working together, we have the capacity to create the ideal society, a sort of a, a heaven on earth. And yet, every time we solve one problem, a new problem emerges. Technologies designed to heal are also used to kill. The war to end all wars was utterly dwarfed by the one that came only 20 years later. The men of the plain of China thought that they were so great that they could reach up to the heavens. When what we actually need is not for us to reach up to the heavens, but for God to reach down to us. To deal with this problem, this problem that's in our hearts, that's been in our hearts since Adam and Eve, to deal with this rebellion against him, to deal, friends, with our sin. You know, in Philippians 2, um, the other passage that was read to us earlier on, uh, the Lord Jesus, he was not like the men of Babel, was he? Um, Because although he is God the Son, in Philippians 2, uh, we're told that he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He didn't grasp out and and to hold on to to deity. Uh, Instead, he, he did the exact opposite, didn't he? He humbled himself and he became a man. He made himself not something but nothing. He made himself not a ruler but a servant who obeyed God his father by actually dying on a cross for us and being raised to life so that we can be forgiven of our sin. And that as we trust in him, we can be changed. We can be changed to be, well, to be more like God. Not in power, not in prestige, not in status, not in authority, but in character. In character. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2 says that that your attitude should be the same is that of Christ Jesus if he humbled himself why would we not humble ourselves and you know that as we do that as we humbly do that the remarkable thing is that god ironically does very powerful things through us and it's in the gospel as we put our trust in jesus far from being scattered we're actually we become united join together Uh, in Philippians 2 uh, Paul says if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any fellowship in the spirit with any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same uh, tenderness um, the same love uh, having the same tenderness and compassion uh, and uh, and being one in spirit so rather than being scattered we are actually in Christ united <laughs> and even though we may speak different languages Paul here in uh, Colossians 2 uh, in Philippians 2 says that God's goal is that one day that um, every person that every tongue, every language that people from all over the world speaking all sorts of different languages, that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, not to our glory, but to the glory of God the Father. It's sort of like the reversal of Babel, isn't it? You know, uh, 40 years ago, I I spent um, a couple of months working with a missionary And uh, he was uh, working in a remote tribal village in a uh, in a a mountainous region of another country. And uh, he and I lived together for a couple of months. In that um, he was there for (laughs) he'd been there for probably ten years. I was there for for two months. And even so, I uh, I remember on Christmas Eve, um, I was lying in bed at night starting to feel a bit sorry for myself, uh, starting to feel a bit homesick, thinking, what on earth am I doing here? <laughs> I should be at home with my family. <laughs> when through the gaps in the, in the bamboo wall, I started to see some sort of flickering lights and then I heard some, some people, some voices of, of villagers and then I heard some singing, some singing, Now, I didn't understand their tribal language. (laughs) That was all Babel to me. That was all confusion. But I knew the tune. As they who once worshipped spirits had now come to us, had come to me to sing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one in whom, despite living on the other part of the world, despite speaking a different language, Unites us, and then I realised I was reminded why I was there. Why I was there? Yes, even uh, village, uh, tribal people in remote uh, villages in mountains do caroling on Christmas Eve. <laughs> for
0: once,
1: <clears throat> for as God once spread people out throughout the world with different languages so too now he spreads the good news of Jesus throughout the world. That men and women from all over the world may be united, not in our name, but in his name. And you know, friends, what this does mean, of course, is that uh, as we go through life, that uh, being godly uh, means that um, we, we... we don't grasp hold of status for ourselves, but we will grasp hold of opportunities to, and challenges to do good uh, for others in our world uh, through technology and through whatever uh, abilities and situation in life that God gives us. But we do so knowing that every person's greatest need is to be made right with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the future is not a man-made heaven on earth, but that which is described in Revelation chapter 7 of a great multitude of men and women from, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people, from every tongue, every language group, united with one another around the throne of God singing the praises of his salvation and that of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, united as one, together as one, singing as one forever and ever. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that that in the context of our rebellion against you, uh, that you have acted in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ to reverse the effects of the fall. We just want to thank you for that. We thank you that uh, your church is now spread throughout the whole of the world, uh, that we are united uh, with people who have different race to us, different backgrounds to us, different languages to us, purely because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just want to thank you for that. In his name. Amen.